As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals. Hello and welcome to The Game, the one and only football podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and in the studio this week, we have a full house. I am delighted to be joined by Rory K. Smith, who's back from a stag do, Alison Rudd, who's doing something with her hands, and (laughs) making his return after a long period, it's Tony Cascarino wearing a checked shirt. And he only has two buttons unbuttoned, which is good. He might move to three in a minute, but that might get me a little excited. Coming up, we'll be talking 10 years of Glazers at Manchester United. We'll also be going over the main talking points of the weekend, but we're going to start yet again at Stamford Bridge. Well, the Chelsea fans will never tire of recalling Steven Gerrard's match against them last year. And he leaves the field here to rapturous applause, not just from the Liverpool fans, but from Jose Mourinho and some of the Chelsea supporters as well. So the interesting bit is the relegation, not the stuff at the top, but we kind of need to rattle through this quickly. So Chelsea and Liverpool draw 1-1. No big reaction there. For me, the biggest points were Andre Mariner, who we'll get to in a minute. Cass, you had something to say about the reaction to Hmm. Steven Gerrard. Yeah, I found it strange because Steven, sometimes as players you get get a little bit and twisted where you get fans chanting at you. And I was thinking, well, Stevie... You should come on air and you should actually just turn around and go, do you know what? I've taken a bit of stick. And be a bit humble about it. I found he took it too personally. Why did he get so affected by, you know, what happened to him at Anfield with Denver Bar? Yeah, that happened. She was a chant about you and Chelsea fans do it. It wasn't a vile chant. Was he worked up about it or is it just he well, just he had this, to... like, nice of them to show up, throw away con- Well, he meant the reception afterwards that he got from the Chelsea fans when he left the pitch meant absolutely nothing. Chelsea fans adore Steven Gerrard. They think he's an incredible player, like most of us in football, or everybody in football. You should do. He's been brilliant for the last, what, 10, 15 years. When you're a big player like that, sometimes fans will chant at you. And when you're at the very biggest and a mistake happened, you get stuff coming at you. I thought Stephen took it just too personally. But sometimes you lash out at people you're not really lashing at. The people well, I, you're lashing out at. Yeah, I totally understand. So there, what you're there, there is surrogate for Brendan Rodgers, well, who I, used to work at Chelsea, and perhaps Rafa Benitez, who also used to work at Chelsea. <laughs> is, is this what you're saying, Alison? No, I'm saying he's not happy. He's not happy at the way yeah. he's leaving Liverpool. And. He's not in a good place. I don't think he was happy to be substituted. Say that, Al- Alison. Why can't he say that? Is it we're going to have to wait for the book? I'm not saying. No doubt, I'm not yeah. saying he's unhappy with the club. I think he he loves Liverpool, and that is why he never left to join Mourinho at the various clubs Mourinho asked him to go to. But to, in a, in a microcosm, just just he was the most effective Liverpool player on the pitch. Not in terms of the passing and the prettiness, but he was the one that was going to get a goal and did get a goal. Why you haul him off at that point? I don't know. He didn't look happy about it. This has been happening the whole time since he announced yeah. he was leaving. But he had to bring in Lucas so that they could win the game. Well, you just explain why it's stupid. So, it, you know, and then, and, then it, and then he is asked afterwards, oh, you know, what did you think of the reception? And if you're not, if you're not happy, you're going to be sarcastic. 
I was I was a bit surprised that he. I thought it was. I thought it thought first and foremost to give him that ovation was really nice of Stamford Bridge. That was a really nice mm. thing for Stamford Bridge to do. It, a, a moment of class, and that they sh- Chelsea's fans should be applauded for that. Come on, Dab. Dab's phone has. Uh, Dab has got a WhatsApp from Quatermark Blanco. Oh, the uh, so, yeah. Stamford Bridge deserve huge amounts of credit for for doing it. I know what Cass means. Like I was, I was surprised he didn't just say it was really nice, very touching, and move on. And but you know, he could have said it was really nice, very touching. But all that matters to me, obviously, is is the, the the applause of the Liverpool fans. Fine, leave it there. It wasn't just one game. Chelsea fans have abused mm. Steven Gerrard, and I agree with you, not in a particularly vile way, but they have abused him consistently for the last ten years, if not longer. Most of their songbook centres on Steven Gerrard, so I think they're the real losers. Yeah, that's not true, actually. No, Most they, of their songbook centres on Tottenham. Do you know what? There, there and is, Gary Neville. I'm going to work on a survey, which which will which will find in the manner of all bias surveys that <laughs> London clubs terrible. sing more about other teams than any clubs in the country, and I find it really weird. Arsenal at Hull last week, I was at the Hull game, sang constantly about Tottenham. Shut up, sing about your own team. It's that's, baffling. It's, 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 it's called a rivalry. It's, but it, it doesn't it's happen normal. in Manchester. You don't, you don't hear Man United. Man United because Manchester have, United have no rivals because they're the biggest thing, best club in the world. Nobody can come close to them. We'll get onto that. Anyway, <laughs> I would I would say that Chelsea fans have sung about Steven Gerrard a lot for the last ten years. I think it's actually okay for Steven Gerrard to be a little bit pissed off about that because it has mm. gone on quite a long time. I wanted to bring this up, the guard of honour thing. I hadn't really thought about it, but I was talking to former Liverpool legend and former player of the year, Steve Nichol, who thinks the guard of honour thing is ridiculous. And I know this is kind of a slightly new, newfangled thing. He just thinks it's just stupid and forced. And it got me thinking, like, yeah, it kind of really is. Anybody have a problem with this? Just me? Not really, no, no. No? no. Do you ever get a guard of honour? No. No, but you never want anything, did, did I you? care? No. Do I think it's... Uh, would you have done it to another team? Necessary? No. Well, if we were told to do it, that's basically the, the truth of it. But would I'm you sure have... there's lots of players who don't want to do a guard of honour. Would you have been happy to do it? Well, you have to have a respect for someone who's won the league, don't mm. you? You have to respect them. So, yeah, yeah. I would have done it. Like yeah. most things, if you're told to do it, it kind of yeah. loses a bit of uh, yeah. a, a bit of meaning. This Andre Mariner thing, I, I don't want to keep picking on referees, but I, <laughs> if anybody watched Match of the Day, too, last night, that whole sequence, I thought, was just absolutely mind-boggling. He doesn't see Cess tackle, or maybe he sees it and he judges it differently. Fine, normal speed, maybe it's difficult. The ball goes to the other end of the pitch... And then he comes back, and first he shows a red card to John Obi Mikel, but fine, maybe he pulled out the wrong card. But then he shows Obi Mikel a yellow card, and then he's like, oh, no, you sorry, no. And then he goes and he books Sesk. I think he probably thought uh, Fabregas uh, got the ball, because I thought he got the ball. That's first fine. view, first view. All right. No, third view, didn't look like that. But first view, looked like he got the ball. And, Honest um, mistake, fine. So play carries on. He doesn't even signal the play to carry on. He's not going to come back to the incident. Right. He thinks it's a perfectly fine tackle. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then the ball goes out of play because Mignolet kicks it out, does it? Okay, whatever. And, and then, then it goes um, back and? And then he's hearing in his earpiece from, from I don't know which official, whether it's uh, an assistant, assistant or referee fourth. or fourth official. Those are the only Who, people in his in his ear, right? But I don't know which official. It's not like Scudamore's in his ear. And they're saying, uh, actually, that tackle was not fine. It was at the best reckless. You need to, to book him. And he's thinking, who's him? And he... That is a slightly odd bit. Surely you just assume that if a foul has been committed by a Chelsea player, it's probably John Obi Mikel, I think that's fair. I, I probably I can't believe Fabregas is yeah. the guy started has, like a. The, this guy has one job, right? I don't mind 
if you're concentrated and you make a mistake, if you're doing your best and you make a mistake, in other words, you think you you don't see the, the, the how serious Sass tackle is. But if you, if that's you, but, fine. No, but you wipe it from your brain. You can't maintain. You can't memorize every instant in the game. So if you're going to be a good referee. That, that that tackle happens and you forget about it because in your head you, you, it's not an instant you're going to come back what to. What is he, so a goldfish? You, you can't keep a thought no, in his head more than 10 seconds? You don't make a mental note of every single action oh, that really? you committed. It. You oh, can't. Really? You've okay. got to then, oh, then right. try and really focus on the next So then piece. nobody ever gets booked for persistent fouling because you don't remember no, any that, of this that's, stuff. Exactly, that's the point. You do remember the fouls. You remember the things that are not correct. You don't remember all the good stuff. I've spoken to referees about oh, this. That was about a good this. tackle from they Seth, so he didn't remember they, it. it their, their, their one regret is that after a really brilliant game of football, they don't sort of remember hey. enough of it or feel part okay. of it because they're not I, focusing I, on the nice things I, or I the non-illegal things. I think the guy, just his mind just started to wander. Maybe he was thinking about the summer and he stopped paying attention. And when they said, like, oh, look, it's a foul, and, you know, memo to his assistant referees, given that he's half asleep half the time, maybe next time just don't just say, oh, that's that merits a yellow, but say, that merits a yellow and it was... Was Sass Fabregas. The assistant got it wrong and told him it was Mikel. There was a lot wait, wait, wait. So, so I'm sorry. So you mistake the tall black man for the small white man who's wearing a freaking mask. face mask. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Let's just move on. This is. I can appreciate mistakes. What I can't tolerate is when people make mistakes because they're not paying attention. And clearly people here, or, or, or they're miscommunicating. Even in your scenario, then, the people who are communicating with him are miscommunicating. He spends like three minutes talking to John Obi Mikel. Can't somebody say, hey, Andre, it's not him, it's the other guy. This is another example where my, my plan to make footballers wear different coloured hats becomes extremely important. I, if they were all wearing different coloured hats, you'd just be like, yeah, it was uh, Andre, it was the orange guy. It worked perfectly. <laughs> City flooding forward, it's a wonderful touch from Bonnie for David Silva. Six of the best for Manchester City. Moving on to Manchester City and Queen's Park Rangers. City go and, and, and pummel them 6-0. I'm very pleased for Alexander Kolarov, who has quietly had maybe his best month in uh, since I remember him coming to England. What? what a red-letter day. <laughs> Alexander Kolarov's best month. Brilliant. <laughs> why do you, why do people laugh? The guy is an incredibly skillful player. I love, I love Kolarov. If he, if, if he were more athletic, if you could combine <laughs> Clichy and Kolarov into one human being, if you could, you know, you're like, you know, like in the fly, they you know put the two things and you put them together. Yeah. You would have a tremendous left back. Just, or just you would have case, a guy who can't run and can't pass. Just in case you, you haven't seen the fly, we will put a spoiler alert on the front of the podcast. Yes, exactly. In case you hadn't seen this film where the original is like from the 1940s. Okay. Queen's Park Rangers, it seemed it's all doom and gloom. I read somewhere that like they could be somehow end up in the conference, which I didn't fully understand. I guess it's not really because they wouldn't meet Football League's version of financial fair play. How did it get to this? I mean, they, I, I presume they thought there was a possibility they could get relegated and said, well, if it happens, we'll pay the fine, right? I mean, no, the lawyers are, the lawyers are counteracting it. So they, they, they basically are liable for a fine for what they did when they were last in the football lead. They, they have got a team of lawyers negotiating with the football lead to, to try and make a case to suggest they shouldn't have the fine that they are liable to be given. The, the, I don't think they helped themselves by um, essentially pretending that their debts were lower, were £60 million lower than they actually were. That's not helped them. That looks a little bit like you're trying to pretend that you haven't got into loads of debt. I don't think they'll get the fine. I don't think they'll, they'll end up in the conference. But it's still a club that needs a massive, massive rethink about the way it's run. Was it just a case of just buying 
old veteran players and well, it it's, it's just the amount of bile that was directed at these people like they don't care like did, did you ever go on the pitch did you ever play in a game where you felt like oh look my teammates don't care guess what I don't care either I'm just going to go through the motions for 90 minutes and screw the fans who are paying money I did a piece I think about two years ago and I remember chatting I don't know if it was with Rory but I think it was it was Probably all along the Jenkins. lines of the financial aspects of the club and, and when they got promoted with Warnock and how they were going about it. I remember talking to Mark Bowen, who was with Mark Hughes when they took over, who was the most awful manager at the time, and now we're seeing what's happened at Stoke. And he said to me, Mark Bowen said to me, um, there's players here that you wouldn't even have heard of who are on big money. He said, the list is endless. The, the, just the, you know What was happening, they, they couldn't believe what the wages that were people were on, how many of them were on, in numbers, and they knew it would come at a huge cost, and they brought in players themselves, uh, still paying big money. I just look at QPR, and I think it's, like you say, overpaying, underachieving. I mean, Joey Barton's comments about too many bad eggs, sort of, wow, I think there's a few players who might say that about you, Joey, who are in the team. And most of them, by the way, if he's talking about, weren't probably in the team at Man City yesterday. They lost 6-0 to. So, it's a real strange... the good eggs are Clint Hill and people like well, that, right? Well, look, it's it's a it's Stoke City years and years ago had a team that were notorious. I remember reading a program going to the, the old Victoria game, and one of the guys, or oh, forget his name, but one of the assistants was talking. He said, "I've never worked with a group of players that were so bad." In his program notes, and I remember reading it and thinking, "Oh my God, I can't believe he's what he said about all these players that were at Stoke City, that how bad it was for the club." And it sort of resembles. So it made, made me feel a QPR. The way it's panned out for QPR, the, the, the players they have, players that you know that have easily been problems for them off the field as well, is a lot wrong. Even the coach has to take huge responsibility who, who, in a way set them up. Yeah, you know what? It, oh, that's fine, but it just gets me that we can all look at a game and, and feel like people aren't putting in effort, right? We, we, we've all had that. We've all had that from the time we were fans. What gets me here is it seems like there's this huge faceless idea of the QPR player who's a bad egg. And then, other than Joey Barton, who, frankly, I don't think has been a bad egg this season, and I think he's played well and put in effort from from what I've seen. Nobody's naming names, right? It's all like it's all a general malaise, but we're not going to go and, and do that, right? No, whenever people talk about the bad edge at QPR, and I think I think Joey's yeah. absolutely right. The person that we are all picturing is Adele Terapt, but it's not that. That is not. It's not Terapt. It's not the issue. Isn't Terapt? The issue is, is as we've said, they spent loads of money on players who are there only for the money. There is a lack of... It's not that they're, they're on the pitch and they're not trying at all. Like, they're sort of just sort of... You know, they've not really got the proper kit on and they, you know, they've put on their shin pads. It's the fact that they don't have that little extra 2 or 3% of intensity that you when you really want to win. That's what they're clearly missing. So you're saying you, you really think there's players who are there only for the money and not because they think, oh, if I go to this club and I do well, then I can move to a bigger club and there make are, more money and win more caps. There and, are far too many players there who have gone to QPR... For, for not quite for the right reasons. I, I don't know. I think this is an easy shortcut. I mean, no, it's not. Gab, Gab, it's Gab. not. It's, it's come from speaking to people who were at the club. The problem is, I don't know how sharp these people are when they were the people who brought them in, and then they go and they dump it on on on, on these guys. I, there I is there is without question a problem at the top of the club that that you have to. And I like UPRs. I, I know a lot of people there, and they're a good club to deal with. I'm sure Alison would say the same. That they're nice people to deal with. But the problem is, they've sacked so many people. 
And it's surely, at some point, if you keep on sacking people, you have to look at the person who's I, appointing I, the people no, who I get sacked. No, I morale is low and so on. But from there to saying, to, to just throwing this mercenary tag around, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, he had nothing to do with yesterday, but Gibriel Sisse was a major problem when two years ago, mm. yeah? At the football club, mm -hmm. the way he was carrying on. But there was a number of them at the football club. It wasn't a group. And Joey, I, yesterday I'm watching the game, I'm going, how one pace the team is. The manager selected mm. the team. He couldn't have picked a slower team if he'd have tried. You know, I'm looking at it and thinking, you're playing three at the back, you've got a 36-year-old in Clint Hill and a 35 in Richard Dunn up against Aguero, and they've got to go run the channels. You know, and I'm thinking, it made them look even <laughs> ten times worse. I'm watching the game thinking, this is like Bayern Munich's for 15 minutes of Barca. But the manager didn't even change it. You've got Zamora's not quick, Joey's not quick, Clint Hill's not okay, quick. So all these guys you've mentioned are basically English players, so the problem is too many English players in the team. Well, I, go, to go and sign more foreigners, I think it's right, a real, really? I think it's a real deep problem that's been embedded in QPR for a couple of years. And there's right. been lots of players would who have totally Ramsey? gone there for the money. If you're Tony Fernandez, would you sack Chris Ramsey? I wouldn't employ him as the better? first team coach, no. I th so I've seen them. enough evidence. Okay. I, I watched them at Aston Villa. They could have yeah. lost six at Aston Villa. I don't think the players are convinced. I think they like Ramsey as a bloke. I think they think he's a decent coach. I don't. I don't think the players think he's a manager. He's a manager. I think but then Ram I wouldn't expect many Ramsey's players to be there. Ramsey's been picking year. the team mostly on the basis of who he thinks deserves to be there because they're decent people and are listening to him in training. That isn't how you Disaster. pick a team. That's not how you pick a team. QPR will lose or will see what 15, 20 players leave this summer. All right. Speaking of disasters, uh, Bayern Munich's first leg at Barcelona was a disaster. Pep Guardiola got a lot of stick. And then the story emerges on Saturday. I'm going to let you in on something. Some people absolutely make stuff up when they talk about transfers. But generally, they don't. Generally, mm. what happens is somebody tells you something, and maybe it's a great story, so maybe you don't always triple check it, and you roll with it. So, Sport Arabic reports that... Pep Guardiola has reached a deal to join Manchester City at the end of the season. Richard Keyes goes and says that he backs the story, which you can say Richard Keyes works for BN Sport, whatever, but he still has a rep that he's putting on the line when he, when he goes and says this. And then Didi Haman, weirdly, who does not work for BN Sport, as, as I understand it, but doesn't really like Pep, goes out on, on German television and says that Pep's been talking to, to, to Manchester City and they have a, a verbal agreement and so on. Bayern deny this. They're extremely angry. Pep Guardiola denies it. He issued a statement on Monday, you know, vehemently saying he's definitely not going to City. And City, of course, denied as well. Anybody see a weird conspiracy here? Anybody have any theories about what might be afoot? Do you think that Gab might have a theory? <laughs> I'm hoping you sages could explain it to me. Well, only only one I could think is DT Oman knows obviously somebody very high up in Bayern that he's personally close to that. Why other, what other reason would he say it? Just in spite? If he doesn't like him? Why would you make a story up if you know it's going to never be Bayern found out? You say Bayern or City? He did play for City. Yeah, but more more so Bayern. Why? They're the club that have got him. So they're, they're the club. He wouldn't have to know he was. they were prepared right. to leave. But the, the, the problem with that is that why would Bayern go and say, like, before a Champions League return like semi-final, oh, look, this manager's going to walk out. Well, that's a poor clearance. And Ings! Chink of light. If Burnley are going down, they are going down fighting, and they could well take Hull City with them. Relegation battles obviously been a, a tremendous uh, talking point. Some of us predicted that Leicester, thanks to their king power, were going to stay up, and we've been vindicated. Well, almost. Hull City, though, is a team some of us, i.e. me, predicted would go down. 
They lost at home to Burnley. That I did not predict. I thought they could get something out of this game. Uh, anyway, sadly, it means Burnley are being relegated. Sadly or not sadly, I guess it depends whether you like Sean Dyche and the underdog tale. What I'm curious, though, is if you throw it forward, Allison, what happens next to Burnley? Because they can go and maybe get promoted again, but if they come back with the same resources, then they'll just go down again, right? Well, they, yeah, they were they were they were conservative in their approach to being in the Premier League. Too conservative, probably. You sort of get the impression just a bit of splashing of the cash might have been just enough to keep them up. Sometimes a small risk can reap quite large rewards. They'll get parachute payments. They'll keep hold of quite a large number of their players. It's only Danny Ings, really, that people are talking about at the moment as, as potentially leaving. I don't know if Sean Dyche will stay. I think I think a lot of clubs will want that kind of manager who hasn't moaned once throughout the whole season about the underinvestment he's just said this is what I have and this is what I'm going to work with so they'll have a, probably have a new manager similar squad parachute payment Cass is Sean Dyche a good manager would you have him at your club following on from what Alison said which is true you know he's just handled everything that's been thrown he's been good but I'm saying is I'm trying to look trying to throw it forward I right think, yeah I think there's a lot of clubs that would be interested in the way he's gone about but should business. they be interested I think he's shown, yeah, I think he's shown a lot. I, I don't think I've ever seen all season Burnley been beat up in any particular no, game where really, you've no, gone no. 5 0, 4 0, look a complete shambles. No, I haven't seen that. Seen him lose a few edgy games. I think one thing he got slightly wrong, I think he used Danny Ings. I'm pretty sure he hasn't made one substitute. You know, been put on the bench and been rested. Like we play the same people all the time. Yeah, right? I think Unless slightly. I would have liked off. to have seen Danny Ings being given a break at a time because I thought there was a period, probably a month ago, where Danny had slightly lost his edge. They had Vokes come back from injury, which he tried to use in a partnership. He did it against Man City. They beat them. I think, yeah, I think he'd done a lot right. And hey, with a budget as small as they had, I think even being, you know, what second from bottom today. I can't see that Sean wouldn't be appealed to many clubs, you know, between mid-table and below. Yeah, it depends who, what, what comes up, doesn't it, to an extent. Sunderland be up. That would be one he could get, you'd have thought. Uh, As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. West Ham, possibly. Those sorts of clubs, I think he's a he's a good fit. He deserves, deserves a chance. Doesn't play particularly pretty football, Dyche, but he's... he's sort of he effective. Is, he used yeah. the boy Trippier really well, yeah, you know, whipping him balls and, and, you know, I think he got a lot right. I mean, the boy boy done well for them. He took him from Old City. There's lots of players I thought have done really well for him this year. They just want a big enough squad and he really kept it. Too many of them were guaranteed. Like you said, using too many players... Week in, week out of a course of but a like, season. But like Alison says, you do, you just wonder whether, like a three, maybe he's comfortable a, a in that. three million pound signing in January. Would what do you pay for the boy enough? from Middlesbrough? Djurjevic. Uh, yeah, what do you pay for him? One point eight or something. And he sort of um, didn't really play a part no. this year, did he? he didn't. I think I'm right in saying he got Chalaba as well, and then he never played him. Mm. Right, which I thought was kind of weird and unusual as well. That's something that would set off alarm bells to me because I appreciate the benefits of chemistry and team spirit, but. Chalaba is a better player than every single person in the Burnley shirt, with the possible exception of Trippier and some people like Ings. I know you do. When you can't integrate people into your side, that, that's the one thing that would make me a little bit uneasy. I thought Keane from United was a good mm-hmm. signing too, but then I guess he got injured, so we never saw him. I've been told he makes it a point, says he only wants English-speaking 
players. I mean, if, if he goes to Sunderland and, you know, there's half the people there who are like, hey, que pasa, Sean, you know, and like, <laughs> he's going to be like, okay, guys, what, what, what do you do with him? You know, I think if he does move on, he's going to have to add that dimension mm-hmm. to it, to his skill set because it's just untenable, I think, in, in, in the modern... You're limiting your market, aren't you? You're limiting your economy, and that doesn't work. The one man who does not limit his market or his economy is Steve Bruce, who will sign players from just about everywhere. I think he's got four continents or five continents uh, represented. And he's written two novels. And he's written two novels. Saucy novels. They're a bit They're a bit unlucky in this one. Is there another one that if they go down, people are going to blame the owner? The financial situation isn't great. They're your near neighbours, aren't they, Rory? Hull, Hull would like to think it's part of Yorkshire, yes. Yeah. It's, the rest of us aren't quite sure. A suburb of Leeds, I think. It is not a suburb of Leeds. Um... Is, is there, so is, the rest of the country is one giant homogenous mass to gab. If it's not, in, if it's not in, in sort of West London, he's not interested. No, I can make distinctions. I know there's Yorkshire, there's Merseyside, there's the Midlands, and what's there's the, the Manchester in, what's area. What's the bit in between Yorkshire and Merseyside? What do we oh, call that? Oh, Manchester, Lancashire, Lancashire. There you go. Yeah, Greater Manchester, but it's all it's all like a giant sort of urban agglomeration, right? Not all Burnley of Burnley no. and Preston there's, there's, and Blackburn. There's, there's and industrial Lancashire, South Lancashire, and there's there's the more rural North Lancashire. Does anybody? I guess nobody here is pretty concerned about no, Hull, or no, nobody cares. So I think there is something. I think Hull's a bit weird because Alan will get a lot of the blame. Although it's not like he's not invested in the team. They spent quite a lot of money, Hull. Yes, yeah. Steve Bruce has, uh, and maybe that's. What part do you of know? What's quite weird about how it's all panned out is he just recently signed a new three-year deal. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And, and the way yeah. it sort of. Why would you give him? To... Sorry, but why would you ever give Steve Bruce a three-year deal? Why would you give any manager... If you're a club that size, why would you give any manager if, a three-year deal? If you talk so nicely to about the chairman and you're so good to him and in many ways and when he wanted to change the night and name of the whole Tigers and you're always on the side of the chairman, the chairman really likes you. I, I, Butter so, him I, up. I, I, look, I, I don't... I mean, I, I'm not against Steve Bruce. I, th- I think he's done... He's a nice you know, man. He's a n- nice man. Yeah, he's, 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 he's I'm sure really him. I know him really but well. But what I'm he's, saying is there's an imbalance here. There's many yes. more managers than there are football clubs and you as an owner, if you give... A, a, a guy, if you're, if you're the owner of a club that's threatened with relegation, if you give a manager like Steve Bruce a three-year deal, you are an idiot. Okay, it's an idiotic move because you will expose yourself to all sorts of liabilities if things don't pan out, possibly for reasons without Steve Bruce's control. You have the power as an owner of a football club, and it just blows my mind. We're not talking about Mourinho or Pep Guardiola here, who you think brings all this added value. He is a manager. Yeah, but he, if you he, offer kept, him, he kept being linked to Fulham. They just had to keep him somehow. If you'd, given, if you'd offered the guy one year, points. he would have taken him. Yeah. If it's Hull, Burnley and TPR that go down, could you get 11 players out of those teams that you'd want in a like ninth place Premier League team? 11 in total. Mm. I don't think you could. That's the problem. Each of them have got two or three decent players. Andy Robertson at Hull's little player. Diame's all right once every three weeks. And Doy? Yeah, and Doy's all right. He's okay. Trippier? Trippy, you take. Shackle? Next. You don't like Shackle. Shackle's okay. One thing that stood out for me for for Hull City was the the strikers, the way that he had the Jelovic long period that looked like really good, then Mm. he sells long and then he changes it around. I think they've really, he's really messed around with his strikers. We're joined now by Matt Dickinson, wrote uh, an excellent exclusive on uh, the uh, the ten years of uh, of the Glazers at Manchester United, and this was followed on Monday by James Ducker's piece, which sort of Saturday. It was Friday, also Saturday. Friday. No, it was Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday. There you go. So, <laughs> Dicko, ten years on from Glazer, what what I sort of gathered is that 
the initial green and gold protests, they went away. Uh, the hardcore United fans who, who felt strongly enough left and formed their own club, FC United, who are doing fairly well. And the rest kind of accept the fact that this is it and that maybe this guy hasn't fallen. Is that is that about right? Uh, well, that's one summation. I mean, I, th- I think that the, the Glazers have won. I mean, it's, if their victory, which is you certainly you could imagine from their perspective, is to be seen as a victory of of success in business, success in making money. Uh, they've won spectacularly, haven't they? The club's doubled in value. Uh, and what was interesting, just retracing how they bought the club, was, was how many hurdles they had to get through. You know, there was the opposition of the PLC board at the time. There was obviously violent opposition from supporters. There was pretty much no one up for it. Uh, even the banks and the financiers had grave doubts, especially when um, there was a sort of independent report commissioned from Deloitte to look at the Glazers' forecast, and they said, look, these don't add up. You know, they're saying commercial growth's going to soar. We don't believe it. They say broadcast revenue's going to leap up. You know, we, we think they're being unrealistic. And so, you know, there was plenty for them to to overcome. Um, and, you know, speaking to a few people, they said how immensely sort of stubborn they were. And, and clearly they, you know, they, they have to be given some credit for foresight equally. You know, there, there are plenty of sides to this, obviously, as the fact that um, they can't even walk into Old Trafford without security guards does tell you another story. You write in your piece that they took something like £700 million out of the club. I'm assuming you arrived at that in terms of the debt plus the fees and... Yeah, uh, fees, and fees, repayment, loan, obviously most of that's loan repayments. Just looking at this, you might then conclude that, all right, that's 700 million pounds, you know, it's great. United are a massive, massive club, but really in the 10 years of Glazer, they've won one Champions League final on penalties. I think they won, is it five titles and no FA Cups? Maybe that seven hundred million could have been used to buy better players than the one that they ha- than the ones that they have. Well, absolutely, and and you know it, it has strained all our um, it strained credibility, it strained strained all our uh, belief that that when Alex Ferguson and he said this privately, publicly said that he was never denied a player that he wanted. If you know if he went after a Wesley Schneider, uh, the reason that deal did not happen was because Schneider was asking for money they thought was unreasonable. Um, you speak to David Gill on or off the record, he will say the same, that you know, when these deals fell down, it was because the club, including you know, the existing management, decided that it, it, you know, it, was, it was getting ridiculous. Now, you know, fans obviously are going to come back and say, well, you know, we don't care how ridiculous it was. That, that 700 million should have gone on the team and it's impossible to argue against that I mean I make the point in the piece I mean there's, there's no small irony in the fact that UEFA has spent so long sort of working out legislation to stop people throwing money at football but, but you know there's nothing to stop someone taking money out, out of the game um, as the Glazers have done speak to Ferguson and you can say well he's been very well paid still being very well paid uh, a seven figure salary to be nice to the Glazers but um Again, it's just one of the contradictions in their reign is that you can't get anyone apart from the fans to criticise them. And there's no doubt in the last five years that you know, the squad was allowed to become a bit depleted. Um, you know, clearly there was you know, a lack of lack of reinvestment in the squad. But at the same time, you know, over their tenure, is it three Champions League finals over their t- tenure, which is the most successful right. period in in Man United. Uh, history certainly the, in that in that competition. The ten years before that were better in terms of silverware. 
Should we tot it up? Yeah, you, you, may, you may well be right. Again, I was just checking back through. Ferguson much preferred dealing with the Glazer model of ownership, not saying they're saying the Glazer in particular than a PLC board. When it was a PLC board, he found it cumbersome. He found that signings would have to go through you know, committees and that there was a lot more need for discussion around the place and um, the PLC model is a difficult one in which to operate. Is there a case, Matt, of that the fans were exaggerating the worry of debt, thinking that their club could be, you know, like some of the smaller clubs that we see going, in, going into administration? Was there that fault that was deep embedded into the fans? I don't think it's exaggerated. Uh, I mean, I think the fear was, was certainly... Well placed, given that you know even the, the the board at the time were. I mean, that their their resistance was because they thought the takeover was sort of too aggressive and was was based on too much debt. I mean, there's no doubt about it. What they didn't, I guess, foresee. I mean, none of us clearly foresaw. Or, or, or I'm sure there's a lot of people who you know could could maybe have raised the money to buy Man United at the time. They they must have wished they could have seen how. You know how the turnover could grow. Was it now for almost about 450 million a year turnover of Manchester United? I think it's only Real Madrid that are higher. So yeah, the worry was you know unfounded, wasn't misplaced. But uh, the Glazers have responded you know to that worry. And the fact is the debt's pretty manageable now, and the interest rates are not negligible, but certainly for a club of the size of Manchester United are. Um, are pretty low. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you kind of look at it on one level and think, right, well, that 700, 800 million quid they've taken out of the club is obviously bad. They could have spent that on players. At the same time, they wouldn't have had anywhere near the revenue streams. So is it is it not a case of, instead of saying the Glazers were good or bad for Man United, is it not somewhere in the middle? They've kind of, they've grown Man United in a way that United might have, might have grown, but might not have, might, it's kind of a, like a zero something. They've kind of, the, the, the good and the bad are, outweigh each other. I think that's right. I mean, I think yeah, that, and exactly. I mean, I guess that's um, we don't we don't tend to like um, pieces that come to a conclusion of somewhere in the middle. But um, we like yeah, uh, you know much more fun debating um, one extreme or the other. And, and let's say I, I don't think anyone could sit here and say the Glazer model is great for football. Um, leverage buyouts, uh, no way. But um, but you're right. I think you know. I think I think it does have to come somewhere in the middle. I mean, the fact is, again, just was tracing it through the commercial staff. When they took over, someone was saying you know, it was sort of one and a half people and they were dealing with existing sponsors most of the time. They've now got a sales team of over 100. Now, this, you know, this isn't, we didn't go into football to talk about marketing sales teams or you know, um, crisp, crisp deals in Singapore, but you know, it is what makes the, the, the business tick over. Um, and they've they invested in staff, they invested in you know, offices in London, Hong Kong and, uh, and other places to make money, principally obviously to make money for themselves, but the fact is to make money for themselves they have to have a club that, um, that, 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 that enjoys some success. If you compare the way they've treated marketing and the income streams, it's, it's incredibly impressive. But if you compare it to even clubs that have a great tradition and, and ought to be reaching out and having fans all over the world, the other clubs are pathetic. I remember interviewing Jim Pilotta, who owns Roma. He comes from a financial I background. I do, love Jim Pilotta. But, but he was, <laughs> he's, he's got a, a model to help clubs just with the very basics of how to distribute, you know, distribute the, the, the scarf you buy over the internet. Clubs don't know how to do that. Clubs don't know how to reach out to people who've bought a season ticket even to ask if they want to buy something else as well. That the, the level of 
And in, in other businesses, that sort of marketing is taken for granted. Football has been incredibly backward. Yeah, so you have to you give have credit to, to the Liverpool. Globe. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're, they're a very backward-looking team. Well, Liverpool have run themselves like a you know a corner shop compared to to, to, to United, and 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 you know we can see the the trajectory that they're trying to recover from. I mean, I, my worry is one other sort of which isn't necessarily the glaze in particular, but it you know I think it's has to be part of the debate is whether if you're being run like this and principally as a business uh, in this Champions League era, you know your worry is that it's possible just to sort of tick over an Arsenal can be brought into this argument as well of whether it does just make you know Champions League qualification uh, acceptable and you tick over qualifying in the top four staying in the top four making decent revenue and not striving to win the Champions League you know you're, you're happy to be involved you're happy maybe to get the quarterfinals maybe the semi-finals on the good run but you're not straining striving to be winning stuff in the same way because you're you're being run as a as a business um, that's ticking over, and I think you know, I think that's certainly say we've seen it in in Arsenal to some degree, haven't we? That we we think that they sort of they settle settle for for ticking over successfully as a business rather than straining for for top trophies. Time now for some quick hits. Sunderland smash and grab against Everton. First, Danny Graham, who hadn't scored in 28 months, deflects Jordi Gomez's shot past Tim Howard. And then Jermaine Defoe might have given away a penalty, then deflects another shot in the back of the net, possibly with his hand. Uh, Alison, is Dick Advocat a genius or just really, 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 really lucky? Yeah, let's add another really to that lucky. Everton dominated more than any team over the weekend. Um, Okay, they should have been more uh, ruthless in, in their finishing. Ridiculous result, really. And I love the way the commentator, I think, said that Danny Graham was embarrassed to score. No, he wasn't. He was kissing his badge and pointing to the heavens and going to the crowd and because uh, they knew how lucky they'd been. Leicester City went again, proving that they really do have king power. They beat Southampton 2-0. Rory, as great escapes go, where does this rank? And is there any broader message or consideration to make about Nigel Pearson? Well, he's proved that he's a he, he's a good manager, that he's more than just strangling on the touchline and weird quotes. He's really, really galvanised that team. He deserves huge credit for that. I think it is a great escape because they, they were, as Matthew Syed writes beautifully in today's newspaper, they were basically banjaxed, weren't they? And, uh, they they're were sort of what? Banjaxed. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they were basically banjaxed and he has got them out of it. I think it won't be rem- remembered as a great escape because they will finish so far clear of relegation that in years to come when we think about the great escapes we won't mention Leicester. They were not because I predicted that they, they were going to stay up because their football was did, too good to go did down. Did you predict that they would stay up on April the 7th? When they were still, they hadn't, they'd won two in 24. Might have been the second week in April that I predicted that. Yes, it was on this very podcast. Tom Cleverly scores for Villa against West Ham, and now they're pretty much staying up. Cass, have you been impressed? Should he stay at Villa or try to go and impress Louis van Gaal? Well, it's impressed me the way that Tim Sherwood's got him doing. Look, when he was a kid at Man United, he was a number 10. He went to Watford, he scored goals. He's never played 52... Did he go to Wigan? Wigan as well, but didn't score as many goals as he did at Watford. He played as a number 10 at Watford. And then, sorry, where, where, where was this in some? Oh, it's in the lower division yeah. somewhere, right? Okay, so that's why I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have any idea about this ever happening. So he's not played fifty appearances for any of the clubs he's been at. And he's still, you know, he's what twenty-four, Tom. And he's always got to get back to the number ten role, and I think Tim's used him to get him closer forwards. And he's one of a number of players that actually have improved under Sherwood. And Tom looks like he's an accomplished lad. He can do lots of different things. 
Just the player I've seen the last couple of years has been on the fringes of the game. He's a number 10. Stay him there. Should, should he stay at Villa or should he try to go back to United? Stay at Villa. Stay at Villa. Now don't be ambitious, young Tom. Stay at Villa. Alison, you're our playoff guru. Middlesbrough win at Brentford, Ipswich and Norwich draw. Any better sense of who's coming up? Well, I mean, the bookies will say it's going to be a, a, a Middlesbrough-Norwich final. That seems obvious because they've both got second legs at home. But I'm going to stick with Brentford because they were unlucky on Friday night. And uh, crucially, crucially, Andre Gray, he just needs to get shooting boots on. And I really think the Brentford defence is, is, is one to look at. They're quite, they're quite good. I think they're going to do something amazing. Tarkovsky and Co. See? I know some championship players, one championship player. Newcastle got a point, which is good, but maybe not so good because their direct rivals all won, except for Hull. Rory, are you feeling more confident that they'll stay up now? I think they're more likely to stay up more because of Hull's last two fixtures being Spurs away, Manchester United at home. Although, having said that, Spurs have been on holiday and really are trying not to get in the Europa League. And United as Cass is about to say uh, will already be in the Champions League so they, they won't necessarily have the most to play for Newcastle I think they probably will just stay up but they really don't deserve to United get a win over Palace and now fourth place is all but a formality Cass will you give a grade to Louis van Gaal's season please um, six I think it's been a lot of bad Oh, great. No, I thought graded, you said it great. What do you a mean great? A, B, C, D. Oh, sorry. I thought it meant out of 10. Just like right, okay, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, B. Six a, is a B. Yeah. Well, that could have said that, couldn't no, really. um, it? What I give two, him two. a grade B minus. A lot of different stuff. Bought Di Maria. Failed miserably for me. Um, Falcao. Falcao. Paid lots of. Paid Rooney in different positions. Rojo. Yeah. Lots of different stuff. But. There's something... I mean, I can't remember the last time a manager had a whole year to get it so right for next season. And it doesn't feel like he's under any pressure. The objective apparently was fourth place or top four, and that's what he's achieved. But it's been a real strange season for them. Mm, shoot for the stars. Gab, one for you. Barcelona took a huge step towards the title this past weekend, did not they? Indeed, they did not do that. No, they did, actually. Um, because, uh, uh, of course, they won, and uh, Real Madrid were held at home 2-2 by beautifully coached Valencia, by, uh, by by his very clever Scottish assistant coach you probably interviewed La- once. Largely, largely Ian Cathro's work, yeah. Ian Cathro? What? What's his name? Cathro. Cathro, there you go. It was an incredible game, this, this, this 2-2 draw. Uh, Real Madrid hit the woodwork three times. They could have conceded five goals. Cristiano missed a penalty. But the upshot of this is that Barcelona, who uh, who won 2-0 against uh, David Moyes' Real Sociedad, are now four points clear. There's two games to go. I think the title's pretty much theirs. And um, for Real Madrid, it's Champions League or bust. Right, that's all we got time for this week. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes and or Player FM for Android, please do so now. Many, many, many thanks to my guests today who made the long trip into London Bridge to join me. Alison Rudd, Rory K. Smith, and uh, Tony Cascarino, I think, lives furthest away than everybody. Uh, thank you so much, Tony. Uh, you can check out thetimes.co.uk on your digital device. And if you remember, you're going to get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights. Yes, you can... Watch highlights of Peter Moore's being sacked, or he, he is the name of the guy who got sacked, and all the cricket people got all incensed about that, right? Because they didn't actually tell him he was being sacked, but instead the... The cricket people are not a race, Gal. I, I, I think they are. They are uh, they're, they're maybe not a race, but they're, they're, they're a community. They're a community of like-minded people. 
Anyway, you get all this free as part of your subscription. And if you're not a member yet, do not despair. You can take our one-pound digital trial today. Tony Casarino did that, and he has a huge smile on his face right now. Uh, and all he did was search Time Sport online to do so. See you same place, same time next week. Bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.